Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Smarts and Stripes Podcast. We cover every bump, every spot, and chat with all the talent around the world of wrestling. Here's your host, Bill Matz, former WWE referee Kevin Keenan, and Eric Golden. What's going on, everyone? Come on in, sit down, grab your popcorn. You're going to need it on this one. Maybe even an adult beverage, per se, because this one is going to be absolutely wild. And enjoy some Smarks and Stripes. Former WWE referee Kevin Keenan, along with my guy Eric the Turtle Golden Turtle. Maybe a soon-to-be WWE referee. Who hey, knows? Hey, stranger things have happened. I can happened. count to three like you can. Well, hey, I, you know, I don't know if I can count past three, but at least <laughs> I can get two, three. Uh, crazy episode here today. Former WWE superstar Enzo Amore joins us today. And Turtle, i got to ask you uh, real quick before we go to Enzo. After speaking to him, do you find him that he's a little misunderstood? Very much so. It- he is almost what his whole spiel says he is. You can't teach what he is. He right. just is the real certified G. The real one. Yeah. And, and it's shocking to me. I, I don't know what I expected going in. I was excited. I was thrilled we got yeah. to talk to him. But it blew my mind how open and honest he was. And I'm thrilled that we get to share it with the peeps. In my mind, he's uh, he's smarter than he's been given credit for, and uh, and you're going to see what I mean uh, in this interview. He holds nothing back. The very controversial, now known just as Enzo on Smarks and Stripes. All right, Enzo, I want to start with the most recent news uh, and work back here a bit. Uh, in the most recent news, uh, being NXT, a brand you're very, very familiar with, uh, as they seem to be all over the news The past few weeks, September 18th, they go live, USA Network, a full two weeks before AEW, which we're going to get into a little bit, go live on TNT. When you hear NXT now is officially considered the third brand of the company, what does that mean for the guys there uh, now? And is there still an incentive for those guys to say, go to a a Raw or a SmackDown brand? Uh, You know, I don't know as far as incentives to go to Raw or SmackDown, more or less. I mean, if you're a guy who's who's come up through the system, uh, there's probably going to always be that itch to go explore your, you know, opportunities uh, on Raw or SmackDown, mm-hmm. right? But I have to say, like, you know, uh, when I was at NXT, it was a different ball game than it is today. Sure. So it's, it's hard to compare, um, you know, what we went through then to what these guys do now. I, I'm not familiar enough to give you insight as to, you know, uh, the pay structures or the right. amount of money these guys are going to be making and the touring and this, that, and the third. I just know that when we were a part of NXT, um, it was a blessing because it went from the WWE, uh, it went from Hulu Plus to the WWE Network. I was there when it was Florida Championship Wrestling. It became NXT the first time that we ever left NXT uh, and and left the state of Florida with NXT, went overseas to Europe, uh, the Barclays Center. So I know that that, that it's been a long time coming for these guys, so. I mean, I was there when it first started, which was the biggest blessing in the world, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I know that there was a lot more money to be made on the main roster back then <laughs> than there was, you know. So while I would have done that stuff for free back then, you know, just because uh, once in a lifetime experience, if you're a wrestling fan and you actually get to be a part of something so special, um, I can recall the first time that Michael Cole and Hunter ever came into the performance center and said, hey, we're going to be taking this product on the road. And it seemed like such a pipe dream. And people just kind of brushed it off because at that time we were doing little armory shows, mm-hmm. you know, be sometimes lucky to sell them out. And then got to a point where, you know, hey, we, we were standing room only in those armories. Right. And uh, there was fans waiting outside trying to just, you know, get a peek uh, at some of the wrestlers. So it was a hell of a time and experience. I wish nothing but the best for these guys that have the opportunities to bring NXT uh, to cable television for the first time. You know, I know that there was some rumors and some speculation uh, that I, I do believe the COO himself made mention of me starting a rumor, which was hilarious. 
you got to imagine, bro, I'm sitting at home and this stuff is just going on, on the internet. <laughs> imagine you're just sitting at your job right now. Next thing you know, you're trending. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open to uh, opportunities to discuss my future in wrestling with uh, anybody who, you know, sees a future in it for me with their company. You know what I mean? So there's been opportunities to have discussions with uh, people and, and I'm still feeling out, you know, where, uh, where this is all going to take me. This journey wasn't necessarily one that I had planned out to get back into wrestling. Um, I think that a well-publicized, uh, you know, um, up and down, uh, you know, post WWE career for big cast, uh, where he faces demons and, and, uh, depression, anxiety, and, and became, you know, uh, an inspiring figure for many people that are going through those same things, uh, since his departure with the company. Uh, you know, I watched my best friend in a video I was tagged in on, on Twitter on my birthday, December 8th, uh, after not speaking to the man for like well over a year, uh, you know, to see him have a seizure, to be in, you know, not physical peak shape, to say the least. Uh, I knew right then and there uh, that, you know, I needed to see to opening the door to having a relationship with my best friend again. Because when you travel across the country with a guy five years and, you know, you're a tag team, um, there's no way to describe it to an outsider or not even anybody in the business who's not in a tag team, especially when you got to see the world like me and Cass got to see it together. So just being at a meet and greet one day uh, in Chicago, I saw, um, you know, Animal and, and from the Road Warriors. And obviously Hawk wasn't there. And I just kind of had that feeling like, man, you know, me and Cass kind of do look better together, don't we? <laughs> and uh, and and the chemistry is still there. And uh, reuniting with him has been an extremely fulfilling process for me because I watched a friend go through hell. And rather than succumb to those pressures, to persevere, and we're still on that path. So it, it's been a blessing. Uh, people like Doug Lawson, a guy who's been chronicled in DDP yoga, uh, working with Big Cass, um, you know, there's there's been incredible people in his life that want to see him be a heavyweight champion one day. And uh, that, that was my goal when I got back into wrestling this past summer, was strictly to see Big Cass work. And I got to see him wrestle John Moxley, first-hand ringside uh, for NEW wrestling. So um, it, it, it's been exciting, man, to say the least, being in these indie, indie locker rooms, they call them, you know, the indie scene wrestling that I guess isn't the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, meeting young wrestlers who aspire to do some of the things that me and Cass were privileged enough to do, uh, you know, it's almost a mandatory, uh, you know, appreciation for the business that you have when you're in the ring for six years at the level me and Cass had the opportunity to be at. So to give back to these kids is, is, you know, almost necessity. You mentioned Doug Lawson. Uh, he's actually a very good friend of mine. We're going to get into him as well as Cass here uh, in just a little bit. But you mentioned something very interesting a few minutes ago about some rumors circulating that you guys were were headed back to WWE to to be a part of this uh, NXT show. And I got to tell you, you said, imagine sitting here uh, at your job and the next minute, you know, you're viral. We were sitting here. And I got the, it was a Bleacher Report notification. I immediately sent it into this group chat and said, I, into our podcast group chat and said, I am here for all of this. I, I, I am so here for an Enzo and Cass return uh, back to the WWE, whether it be NXT, Raw, or SmackDown. But not too, too long after that, Triple H went, he went, he went full uh, slam town on these rumors. Where do you think, uh, where do you think these rumors started at? To be honest with you, man, I have no idea. But I know that the people that spread those rumors, um, you know, there's a lot of validity in, in many statements that they've made in the past. So, you know, I understand why maybe it spawned, uh, you know, conversation. But at the same time, um, I, it's, it's very gratifying for me sitting at home to, to be sitting on my ass <laughs> and hear my, hear my name come out of Triple H's mouth in essence, blaming me for starting a rumor. And, I mean, it's just perfect. I, I Thank you. What, I don't care. Were you, you, know, su- were you surprised he responded the way he did? No, no, not really. I mean, I'm a, I'm a hunter's redheaded stepchild. I mean, I'm kind of the guy <laughs> that he never asked for that fell on his lap. If you know my story, I was kind of found on YouTube, showed to Hunter and signed to the WWE with uh, without any snowball chance in hell actually making it. And it ended up happening. <laughs> yes, no. You know, but it's just funny to me because, you know, that rumors 
uh, circulates and um, maybe it does seem like it's in my best business interest, but you know, I really don't have much of an interest to uh, go back and work that schedule for that company. I'm very happy with where I'm at in my life, with the freedoms and opportunities I have, and you can't wrestle forever. So, you know, I've, I've put my eggs in other baskets as far as, uh, you know, income and, 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 and uh, life and entertainment post uh, wrestling career. So, uh, I do have that feeling in my body, though, while I am healthy and people do want to see it and I have the opportunity to get in a ring um, when the opportunity is right and it presents itself. I, you know, I, I, I take advantage of those opportunities like uh, obviously Madison Square Garden reuniting with Big Cass. That was a great opportunity for me and him to you know, make a big splash and uh, a great way for the world to see us back together. And then. You know, to capitalize on that um, opportunity in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center recently uh, for NEW Wrestling, they were running a show in a sold-out house with John Moxley, Pentagon Jr., Darby Allen, David Arquette, Jerry Lawler, Renee Young, Booker T, Big Cass. That, that's a star-studded lineup. 100%. And, uh, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem looking at that card and seeing where I fit in and saying to myself, okay, this is the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, the same exact place that I had my last wrestling match. And with a guy like Brian Tillman Jr., uh, the cards, you know, the stars just kind of aligned. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I just, I don't go out of my way to search for opportunities in the ring. But a guy like Brian Tillman Jr. was somebody who I was eager to get into the ring with, scrap with. Um, and, and, you know, it was a learning experience for the both of us, just like it always is anytime you get in a ring. You know, you never quite ever have it figured out, despite what anybody says, no matter how good you are. So, it's always fun to uh, get in the ring, and, and this time I did it in a, in a way that I had never done before, and that was with no supervision. <laughs> so I don't have the WWE producers telling me how to work or have uh, you know a producer or Vince or Hunter or somebody telling me, you know, we're going to commercial break and you need to grab a hold or you need to do this. <laughs> so I just went out there and did what I know how to do, and that's wrestling, and I think that uh, you know, by playing the character of Enzo Amore, I afforded myself the opportunity to perhaps not wrestle. <laughs> it was fun to get out there. I'm thrilled you're working, uh, that you guys are working for NEW. Mike O'Brien was one of the first people to book me uh, when I got let go from WWE. He treated me uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic, like a total pro. He runs a real top-notch operation up there. Uh, but I do want to touch briefly uh, back on, on Hunter, closing up that uh, that circle there. And you've made no bones about having a rocky relationship with him why do you feel that he had it in for you the way that he did because you were clearly someone that the fans could gravitate towards uh that's probably just it uh you know when when you when you're a character on a television show that doesn't concern themselves with wins or losses um in a world where many people have had to politic in the past and currently to either get a win get tv time or to be get the exposure or you know, because let's just face it, if you lose over and over and over again um, and you're not winning and you're not on TV, you're not selling T-shirts, you're not um, making money, you're not filling the house, the fans aren't going crazy for you. You know, so in essence, uh, the politicking that goes into becoming a superstar is something that I kind of surpassed. Uh, I just had uh, the greatest group of fans in the world in Orlando who come to these NXT shows, you know, and and wait after the show to meet the wrestlers who they see the night before and the night before that, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> these were dedicated fans. And if you're a superstar uh, on that show, it doesn't take much. If you only have a, if you only have a building filled with like 200 people, uh, but they're all going nuts for you. You, you do look like a star to the people at home. For sure. If you, if you had a conversation with Hunter today, how do you think it would go? I don't know, man. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't pick any bones. Like I'm not like, this isn't something that I sit at home or think about, you know what I mean? Like I'm living my life. I don't work for that company. So this is like the last thing that I'm worried about. I'm sitting at my house and this, this rumor circulates and he blames it on me. So obviously I retaliated by last night, tweeting a picture that said that I bought tickets to raw, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, and though, and there's internet goes nuts and writes articles. Uh, you know, I'm just fucking with people. Like, right. like, like. <laughs> in the end of the day, like, it, 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 if I hurt you by that, and you have an opinion or a gripe about it, like, 
Louise, man. The world's got bigger issues. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, for sure. People starving out here, dude. Like, I'm, I'm really, really, really just having good fun here. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to stir, stir the pot as much as I am retaliating for somebody else blaming me for starting a rumor. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, so yeah. it's like, okay, well, why don't you guys go put your pictures on the walls again and say that this guy's not allowed in the arena and take the time to address the situation to your staff and take the time to address if he should so show up in this arena, what we're going to do. So like the fact that I could eat up your time like that, sitting on my couch, watching Monday night football, with my goddaughter, I have no problem with <laughs> a couple more things on NXT. Uh, and then we're going to move on now. You and Cass are pushing to become a tag team here in the early days of the brand and receiving some pushback from certain people. But you guys do end up in front of an NXT crowd because of a certain top guy in the company at the time. Can you tell me about that entire experience of what ending up, I guess, sealing the deal, so to speak, that you and Cass would move on creatively as a team in NXT? Yeah, uh, you know, in, in wrestling, especially at the beginning, you know, they give you a name. They tell you your move. Uh, you know, they tell you who you're wrestling and who's your tag team partner. So creatively, you kind of have a uh, creative freedom only on Wednesdays at promo class with Dusty Rhodes. And on Wednesday, me and Cass were cutting promos together for like two straight weeks just because we were best buddies. Um, we developed a quick rapport over the New York Yankees. Um, and we went to a Yankees game, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. The rest was kind of history with our friendship. So as the story goes, uh, we had promo class two weeks in a row. Big Cass got put on this ESPN documentary, 30 for 30, yeah. as, as basically a talent who was going to get axed. Uh, so Big Cass is going to get fired, and they're channeling that story, which is pretty cruel if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So when he's doing that, I get an opportunity to debut on NXT just because I'm going to get fired. So they need somebody to go out there and do a job because they're building Mason Ryan, um, who was a big jacked up dude, like, you know, 300 pounder, six foot, like six, six, seven, something like that. Yeah, I remember big, big Mason guy. Ryan. He was a big boy. So I go out there to debut against Mason Ryan and just get killed and get fired. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I get told basically such. And then, uh, uh basically John Cena was backstage and he was sitting next to Tyler Breeze. And Tyler Breeze was known as Mike Dalton at the time, and he wasn't being used on FCW TV either. And here I go. I'm about to go out there to debut. So all the wrestlers that were in the room stood up and clapped for me because they knew that I was supposed to be fired and I was debuting. So out of respect of a guy debuting on NXT TV, they all stood up and clapped, which caught the attention of John Cena. John Cena looked up and he said, who the hell is this kid? And then... I started talking my smack, and I said, bada boom, realest guy in the room. <laughs> and uh, apparently John Cena stood up backstage and said, bada boom, realest guy in the room. And I, I proceeded to take one hell of an ass kicking. So my goal was to go out there and get the baby face over. And as a heel, I went out there and got heat by talking on the microphone. And then I got killed, and I made this guy look pretty good. When I came through the curtain, man, my mind is gone. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. I'm wearing spandex. How am I supposed <laughs> to explain this to my friends? Uh, I got wrestling boots on. I don't even look cool. Uh, I just got beat up by a giant dude. Oh, man, my life is over. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to go home, and I'm only going to have this to talk about. So I walked through the curtain, and sure enough, like Rob Naylor, this, uh, he's a wrestling fanatic. He's a producer who worked uh, backstage with Dusty uh, in WWE and at that time. And he comes running up to me and he goes, bro, John Cena wants to meet you. And I'm like, what? So I don't know what the hell's going on. So I, I just, so uh, I went to Springfield college in Massachusetts as a freshman because John Cena went there and I wanted to be a pro wrestler. So I'd already met John before and I had asked him how to become a pro wrestler when I was playing college football. So here's my second meeting with John. And I walked up to him and he said, uh, I've been here for four television tapings today, and you're the only thing that caught my attention. Great job. Wow. And I, I just That's stood awesome. there, and I said, oh, thank you. And then about two minutes later, I'm, I walk up to Cass, and I'm, like, jumping out of my skin, like, holy shit, dude, do you believe this is happening right now? <laughs> and then Cass comes up, and then uh, Ryan Ward, the writer who worked with John Cena, uh, who's an NXT writer, came up to me, and he said, hey, man, John Cena wants to know if you want to come out with him when the show's over. 
Well, Tyler Breeze had already told him when he was sitting next to him and John Cena inquired about me that I had a tag team partner, but I really did. Tyler Breeze just didn't like our head coach at the time and knew that he was trying to keep me and Cass apart. Cass was getting fired, and Breeze was a good brother, and he just put us over to John. John asked me and Big Cass if we wanted to come to the ring and cut a promo. The intellectual savior of the masses was in the ring at the time, Damian Sandow. Sandow. He was supposed to be smart. So I said, you know, Big Cass is seven foot tall and you can't teach that. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he's smart. And then I said, uh, you know, I couldn't think anything about myself in a moment's time that you can't teach. You know what I'm saying? So I just said, I'm a certified gene, a bona fide son. You can't teach that neither. And I said to him, you know how many dimples there are in a golf ball, Damien Sandow? There's exactly 136 dimples in a golf ball. And there are zero dimples on my hind end. You want to know why? Because I'm hard body. And you know what you are? You're S-A-W-F-T, sure. And John Cena said, what did you call him? And I said, sure. And then the next thing you know, the whole crowd is staying soft. At the next TV tapings, I still have a job reluctantly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still doing security at the, TV, at, at the live events. I'm, I'm, I'm selling tickets and, and taking people's jackets when they're wrestling. And I'm still told I'm going to be fired. And at the TV tapings the next time, Big Cats got to work on the live events that weekend with another tag team partner. So they were basically saying to me, like, we're not keeping you guys together. Right. So I'm like, damn, man, they're playing head games. And I think I'm going to get fired. And I'm like, but John Cena just liked all the things that I did. And I don't know what the hell's going on. But that's what they do. I mean, it's wrestling business, you know, but I'm green to that, man. I don't Correct. know what's going on. The, the, the mind games of Crazy Lander are certainly something you never really get used to. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I didn't know what was going on. And uh, the whole crowd of TV tapings, the following tapings, was going, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so finally, Terry Taylor runs up to us right before the dark segment to ask us to go out there again in the dark segment that wasn't being filmed. So I go out there, and Ryback was in the ring, and I was going to get killed by him. So me and Cass go out there, and uh, we just said, how you doing? Because Ryback had feed me more as his gimmick. So I just said, feed me more. Yeah, if you ladies are into meatheads, you got a real cheap date in the ring right now. All you got to do is take them to the local Golden Corral. <laughs> and then we just rattled off everything on that menu. Shredded lettuce, how you doing? Shredded beef, how you doing? Shredded chicken, how you doing? Make tacos, how you doing? You know, and we just went down the line of the, of, you know, chocolate fondue, dipped in banana, how you doing? Dipped strawberries, how you doing? And then next thing you know, dude, we're out there on TV and people are saying, soft and how you doing? So. I, if you're at home and you're watching the show for the first time and you've never seen Enzo and Cass in your life, but the whole crowd is going soft and how you doing, you know, our, 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 uh, our, our stardom was just lucky, lucky timing. <laughs> for, for sure, man. You've done so much with Cass in NXT. What are you most proud of? I think the thing that I'm most proud of with Cass uh, is when we broke up together on TV in the main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the number one rating straw the entire year. And right before I went through the curtain, Vince McMahon had asked to see me, and it was a big seg, and I didn't realize how big it was. I didn't understand. Like, I, I don't know. I just kind of went out there and did my thing. And I guess other guys that were in positions, like, looked at, oh, my God, I'm in this position, and this is happening. Me, I never, like, looked at it, oh, I'm in seg one, I'm in seg two, I'm in the main event. I just kind of like, okay, what am I doing? You know? So, so. Vince pulled me aside and asked me if I could cry. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I've never cried before. You know what I mean? Like, I've never, mm-hmm. as a wrestler, I haven't been asked to go out there and cry yet. I've just been asked to be a tough guy, you know? So uh, I went out there, me and Big Cass said our piece back and forth, and it was killer, and I cried one tear down my face. <laughs> and uh, I kind of just proved to myself in a moment's time, like, oh, you can do this, bro. And, uh, I guess, uh, you know, having knowing that we were going our separate ways, um, I really wanted to obviously see him go on to be world heavyweight champion. And me, I, I kind of had the plans to go on to, to do the cruiserweight thing. So, um, you know, obviously we didn't plan for what would happen next. And, and um, But stars align. Everything happens for a reason. There's silver lining and everything. And doing Madison Square Garden with Big Cass was hands down my favorite thing that we did in our career. It was one of my favorite things to see you guys do, for sure. You guys did so much on the main roster as well. When did you notice Cass was starting to have a little bit of issues? 
So that was the thing, man. We really didn't have, you know, a relationship of much in the end when we were breaking up because when we broke up, at that point, our relationship was already business-based. I mean, when you're on the road with somebody for five years, you live with each other, you're brothers, you can't stay mad at each other, somebody does something, other guy has to cover it, you're a tag team, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we just, more or less, towards the end, uh, you know, we just, he was, he wanted, he was eager to get his singles run on, and so was I. I mean, that's the way you got to look at it. I mean, when you're a tag team for, you know, five years in the WWE, uh, you know, you just, it takes its its toll to go out there and work the same opponents every night, Um, you know, because tag team wrestling in the WWE isn't what it used to be as far as, you know, the the amount of real tag teams that coexist, uh, you know, on that roster are, are, are few and far between. And I think that, we had proven to each other that we had nothing left to prove in tag team wrestling besides win titles, obviously, but the game plan was to keep that a storyline, never win title. We were tag team of the year in NXT, but you never want to, we never won a title. So he goes on to win a singles title. I go on to win a singles title now. Okay. Now we can be the biggest stars in the company and go after the tag team title. That's interesting. Tag team of the year and, and, and never won a title. I guess I never. I guess I never looked at it like that in NXT. Uh, very interesting tidbit there. Hey, I do want to fast forward real quick. To... That's because the fans vote and, and, and the producers choose to win the title. <laughs> very, very true. If, if the fans were only able to write and the show, you sometimes you can't take one thing away from me and my whole career that I attributed all to the fans, especially the core group of them that I made my way, uh, you know, through armories meeting in in florida you know what i'm saying it was it was it was a really special time uh to grow and learn in the business and i went to the harvard of that you know because they built that performance center and put incredible minds uh under that roof and and it was just it was awesome bro and and for me you gotta understand like i don't have any ill will towards the wwe sure um at all i don't i got the opportunity of a lifetime and if you really look at it uh, you know, there was nobody who was enjoying it more than me. Like, I mean, I think you could tell when I came to the curtain. I was like, I can't even believe that I'm here. <laughs> uh, you know? It's funny you say that because I, I watched the debut the other day of Enzo and Cass down there in Dallas. And it's funny. You stop for a second right in the middle of the ramp and just look around. And I said to myself, I know what he's doing there. He's one of the few people that are actually taking the time to take this all in. Because it really is a sight to see if you've never done it. Yeah, I can honestly tell you that that Castle tell that retell that story better than me, and he does quite often when he talks about WrestleMania. Is I never watched anything that I did back really, like when I was doing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, if it felt good, I just left it alone. So that's because in the moment, I don't think there was anybody who was more in the moment than me. Right. Uh, I mean, I was really in the moment out there. You know, I, I was a pig in shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it all in every time. I mean, I can remember faces in, in different cities that I made eye contact with, you know, that I stared at for a minute. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just that, you know. Sometimes it's just you're in the kitchen and, and, and you're with your boys and you're just talking. And, and and it's like, I can't believe I got hands in a microphone because any one of you guys would be doing this too. Let's <laughs> tell them what's going on. You know what I mean? So I, I just had a really good time. And I would always look out into the crowd and, and see who was wearing my shirt and who had my wig on and point at them and, and uh, look at the entire crowd and thank, synchronize, you know, singing along with me. Uh, a lot of the times I would put the mic in the air and just let them do it. And I was really like not thinking about the cameras as much as I was thinking about like, wow, how cool is this? (laughs) Final point on Cass. Uh, December 2018, he suffers a seizure here in Philadelphia at a House of Hardcore show uh, promoted by Tommy Dreamer. I remember this like it was yesterday. I was standing three feet away. Uh, A scary scene all around. What do you remember about finding out about this and how soon were you in touch? 
Uh, it was a crazy thing, man. Uh, Big Cass, you know, at a time where he had uh, thoughts of literally taking his own life and, and through that by drinking himself to death because he, he didn't have the, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't have, you know, the, the desire to live, uh, which is insane because this is not the human that I lived with or knew or wrestled with for five years. I mean, when it became business, I would say it was right after WrestleMania. Uh, it was in that moment where Cass talks about a moment. I, I was saying we have them. I was sitting ringside at WrestleMania. I've never watched my WrestleMania match back. And uh, me and Cass were laying there. And I felt like in a moment, like we did it. Like, holy crap. All that shit that we had to go through. Yeah, man. And here like, we are. All that shit that we had to go through. And all those shit sandwiches we had to eat, as they metaphorically say in this business. Sure. And, you know, how unappreciated we felt in moments time by either colleagues or fans or, 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 you know, life, you know what I'm saying? Uh, when you're out there giving your life and you're fucking, you know, getting knocked out cold and your mom's crying at home and not knowing if you're alive until you're in the hospital and you wake up from an MRI and you break your leg and you get screws in place and big cast broke his face and got a plate put in his orbital bone. And it's like, you, you just, you put in a lot of work and, and a lot of, a lot of flight 5:30 in the morning catching everyone just to get home as early as you can because that time at home is precious and you don't want to land at 4 p.m on wednesday when you got a red eye on thursday and you do want to see your friends and your family so it's just like whoa in that moment i'm laying ringside and i just we were together and i was both selling waiting for jeff hardy to hit a damn swan pot off the top of the ladder <laughs> like guy i've idolized as a kid like looking up like oh my god <laughs> flapping cast in his side like you know like friends do when they're cheesing out like dude you believe it, you believe it? and you know he hits the deal and uh me and cast are just laying there and i'm just in a moment just said to him man they can never take this from us we did it we did it dog it's over bro it's over and i can't it was insane is that i'm saying is that it's over like, in my mind, right there, it was over. <laughs> I, I knew enough in that moment that, like, it'll never get bigger and better than your first WrestleMania. Sure. And fighting the Hardy Boys for the tag titles. On the return, and, nonetheless. In the return of the loudest pop WrestleMania's heard maybe ever. You were inside the ring there. Tell me about that. Now, now Matt's a great friend of mine, as we talk about here on the show uh, quite often. I was actually with him the night before that, but he gave me no inkling whatsoever that those guys were heading back. You were in the ring as the music hit, and we've all heard the stories. Is there is there any way to properly describe what happened in that stadium when the Hardy Boys came out? Nah, man. I've been there with... I've been on the stage in Triple H's entrance three times, okay? Like, like I was one of the, like, Terminators and one of the drones. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, like, I've been out there for Taker's entrance, you know, as you probably have. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? If you've been to WrestleMania. And I've only been to WrestleMania with the company. So, let's just say I had a good seat every time. <laughs> um, and, man, that Hardy Boys pop, I, I don't, I, I, can't, I guess maybe, I don't know if it was because I was in direct center of that arena. That was the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. But made by people. <laughs> Uh, I still go back and watch it on YouTube or, you know, the, the WWE will put something out on social media as a flashback or something. And I, I, I just I just can't get enough of it. It's 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 forever ingrained uh, in my head. So uh, let's go down the road here a little bit. The release has happened for both of you. Uh, it looks like Enzo may be done in wrestling. Cass is working some indie shots. Uh, until the deal with him happens and he's out getting himself together. And you brought it up a couple times already, but I want to dive into it. Out of nowhere this year, Madison Square Garden becomes unglued when Enzo and Cash make a surprise appearance on the New Japan Ring of Honor joint show uh, over WrestleMania weekend. Talk about shock and just guys out there throwing some lumber. How did it feel to be back in a sold-out Madison Square Garden in that type of environment? Well, you got to understand for us, like I just spoke about WrestleMania, right? Well, bro, I was more nervous for my first show at Madison Square Garden than I was for WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah, my WrestleMania spots in that match were easy, boy. <laughs> I made it that way. <laughs> I wanted to just sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> oh, man. 
You know, you got Seamus and Cesaro and Carl Anderson and Gallows and the Hardy Boys and Big Cass, man. Dude, trust me, I had no problem being Enzo. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? <laughs> All right, guys, <laughs> go to work. Go, go to work, yep. Go, go, go lay down over here and watch this shit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we when I did Madison Square Garden for the first time, I was in a, a semi-main event, uh, Aliso, uh versus versus cruiserweight champ match and uh jimmy fallon was sitting in the front row man and i just was giving Kalisto guardrails shit cannon him right in front of jimmy fallon telling jimmy this is all his fault and like i just it was i cut a promo before that got a ton of heat uh i i but you know you would think right like i've never done the garden before they never booked me and big cats on the garden um I don't know why, but every time there was, you know, there's a blue and a red loop when we're on Raw and SmackDown and they booked a holiday tour in Madison Square Garden, they never booked Enzo and Cass. He, he actually, he, so, he told us that when he was on with us. He said his first time was this Madison Square Garden show. And that is what it was all about. So that is why it was my greatest moment in wrestling. I'll never top it. it, it it's better than WrestleMania. It's It's better than... It's better than anything I did with the Cruiserweight Championship. And, you know, like, I, I just, I got to tell you, like, that Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, reaction, um, just, just, like, wow, wow. Like, I, I was in the arena, you know, and there was, and there was blows being thrown, dogs. And, you know, it's, it's like if you watched uh, Brock and Randy in, in SummerSlam, right? How do you make something real in wrestling? We ain't faking nothing, bro. Nope. You know what I mean? No, when you go when you go back and watch that that entire Ring of Honor segment, uh, the Briscoes, uh, Bully Ray, Enzo and Cass, the there are some live rounds being thrown. They left it all out there. They really did. Yeah, everybody did. And, and you know, the Briscoes just came out of the work in a match. They had to be those guys had to be blown up, man. Those guys are some tough sons of guns. Yeah, you know they, I mean? they they are the best. You never have to uh, you never have to twist their arm uh, to start throwing some live rounds. The Briscoes are some good brothers, man, for sure. Uh, you know, if, if you want, you know, that's the thing about Enzo and Cass, and anybody knows that is that you know, if you want to throw down, <laughs> you know, if you want to make this thing real, we can make this thing real. You know what I mean? Because we have each other's backs, and that was it. So in a moment's time, I watched a friend. You know, overweight, out of shape, depressed, having anxiety, you know, drinking alcohol every day, get off his ass, go to Doug Lawson, a guy who changes lives and works with athletes and, 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 and people in pro sports like Michael Strahan and Deion Sanders and Ray Lewis and Tony Gonzalez. And, and he takes big cast under his wing. And I go to visit them pretty much right after the seizure in the hospital um, you know, came down to visit him right after he had a seizure uh, because he had called me the week prior and it was four times he called me and I hadn't talked to the guy in over a year. So my mother said, you got to call him back. And I did. And I could tell he'd been drinking and I was worried about him. And he told me he met a guy named Doug Lawson at an autograph signing and he wanted him to go live with him. And I told him he should go do it. And he went to House of Hardcore and he had the seizure right before he was going to live with Doug. So he lived with Doug and he cleaned up his life. And then the opportunity of a lifetime comes around for me and him to reunite for the first time on camera in Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, I could say that I was I was going to do Madison Square Garden by myself. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. That was that was something I was going to do. Um, and, and you know, if you couldn't tell that I was going to do that in November, in my brain, uh, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when I showed up at Survivor Series. You didn't see what I was manifesting as a way to get back into wrestling. Um, because, I, you know, I have the greatest fans in the world, and the, those are wrestling fans. And they poured out for me when, uh, you know, a police report was uh, conducted that proved my innocence um, and and showed, you know, the world that I was innocent. Uh, 4,500 people showed up to Times Square to embrace me in love. And, and from that moment was when I realized that I'm a brand. And I, and I don't necessarily need to sign with anyone to be myself, make money, have fun, make music, inspire people, and use social media as a platform to let the world know what I'm up to. A few more things here, Enzo, as we, uh, as we start to wind down here. There's a funny thing about 
about NXT moving to Wednesday nights uh, on USA because there's another company out there that's getting a lot of buzz with a lot of exposure who's going to be on TV at the same time come next month on TNT, which is which is AEW. Have you got a chance to see any of their product yet? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, actually, I was really inspired by a match I saw. Um, I watched Dusty, uh, Dusty Rhodes' kids, you know, uh, Goldust and, and, and Cody Rhodes. I had to watch that. Fantastic. Match, you know? um, and that spawned me to watch Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin. Um, which was also incredible. Uh, then I watched Kenny Omega and Pac. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the match of the year, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there's some incredible wrestling going on all over the place. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm a fan of uh, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan and TNA. Love those guys. Uh, one of my best friends is Juice Robinson in uh, New Japan. Killing it. Uh, love that guy. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and, and on these NEW shows, I uh, get a huge pop out of Thrill Ride. I don't know if nobody knows about Thrill Ride and Jared, but I've been around the world wrestling, and I've seen a lot of cards, and these two guys are freaking hilarious. <laughs> I don't know uh, what their deal is, man, but these guys are funny. You know, there's just wrestling, um, and, 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 and it does You know, if I watch an eight-match card on the WWE, I might not laugh one. I right. Might, I might I might not uh, even react because I've seen the same matches and the same people do their deals a thousand times. Whereas when I go to these indie shows now and I'm watching new talent that I've never seen before and I don't know their gimmick and I don't know what they're doing, I get a kick out of it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And some of these guys, uh, you know, they know what the frick they're doing, you know, so it's funny. You just made made mention a couple seconds ago about just wrestling all over the place, uh, and it's so accessible uh, anywhere you turn. In your opinion, with so many options out there now, look, you have you have Raw, you have SmackDown, you have NXT, you now have AEW. There's New Japan that's accessible, you know, on your television streaming services, whatever whatever it is. In your opinion, are we on the verge of another boom period like we saw in the Attitude Era? Yeah, I think that, like I said, uh, we 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 are. I think we definitely are. And, and you know, when I when I when I left wrestling, I was truly, uh, you know, bitter about about the way that people that I gave my body in front of, some of them talked bad about me, didn't understand the product and what, what it is that we were all trying to do out there because you got to be able to separate real life from fake life. And, you know, when I paint my picture as a heel and I'm in the height of my run as a bad guy and I get fired for an accusation, you know, there's a lot of controversy that circles that. And I, I just truly didn't want to be involved in that anymore in the wrestling business. And I would say it was probably, you know, uh, a five-month, you know, hiatus from the world that, you know, where I was angry because there was no police report being conducted because investigators aren't going to waste taxpayers' dollars investigating a crime they know hasn't been committed. They're going to take their time doing that. So... When that happened, I just, you know, when I was freed, you know, in and, 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 and essence, uh, to be myself and be out in the world for the first time, not in the WWE umbrella, you know, being able to curse and, and you know, being able to speak my mind and being able to have a beer on camera or smoke a joint on camera and not have to worry about repercussions or, you know, actions and people telling me how to live my life, like, I've been schooled on how to do things a certain way, and I do understand it. So, uh, you know, I've put a lot of press and a lot of publicity out there over the past year and a half that that, that has kept my name, you know, uh, in in the mecca of of New York City and wrestling and and, and Madison Square Garden and uh, the Staples Center in L.A. and and, uh, Mid-Hudson Civic Center, a story building, and, you know, Doing things with big cats like John Moxley wrestling in front of forty five hundred people in in Six Flags Great Adventure. This is fun for me. This is new experiences and and changes challenge and I love a challenge. And I felt like everything I wanted to do in the WWE I pretty much did, you know, in in a short, short time and I was blessed to be able to do so. So now that, you know, there's an opportunity to go out there in the world and, and, and make money as a pro wrestler feed your family, put, put food on the table, doing what you love. Um, and it doesn't have to be in the WWE and it doesn't have to, 
dictate your life and put you on the road 300 days in a year. It, it, I just want to see the wrestling business boom. So if that means NXT's on Wednesdays and AEW's on whatever day, Wednesday, and, and you know, Raw, and you got SmackDown, and then you got New Japan on X, and, and, you know, TNA just got a new TV contract, I heard. So, you know, th- there's just opportunity for people to make a, a living in, 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 in a in the realm of entertainment. I and mean, if you're a child out there and you're in school and, you know, you tell teachers that you want to be a pro wrestler when you grow up, and it seems like such a pipe dream that it doesn't seem like a reality that you can make a feasible income and have a family and survive because there's only one show in town, the WWE. And, you know, if you're there, you're there. You know what that entails. So I just love that there's, you know, an economic boom in the business as well. And, and, and other billionaires and other TV contractors. I heard that like Mark Cuban and Steve Harvey's network uh, just bought TNA yesterday. Yeah, no, uh, Access TV was bought by Anthem Media, which is the parent company of TNA. So it looks like TNA is going to start airing on Access, which leaves the question what happens to New Japan. Either way, uh, there, there's wrestling literally everywhere you look. Yeah, and it's really cool. And, 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 and that's the thing that I'm excited about. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to necessarily just dive back into wrestling uh, when I got fired because I've been doing it for six straight years. And when I said I was retired, it was because, you know, quite frankly, I couldn't see myself working uh, working anywhere else besides the WWE. I just, you know, there wasn't enough boom for me to, me to go, ah, I'm eager to jump back into it when my last wrestling match I ever had was in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center on the first ever 205 Live Tour in a main event title match. And I was like, I proved to myself I could do this. And then I got... Uh, fired on the 25th anniversary of Raw between FCW and NXT and the network and the Hardy Boys at Mania. I was like, man, I couldn't have wrote a better movie script. I'm like, I'm out. You know, I can't <laughs> give this a sequel. I don't know how to do this any better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was, I was just happy to have accomplished what I did and eager to spend time with family. And, and the silver lining in all of this for me was that, you know, I had, A, my voice that I could still use. I had a platform of millions of people and fans that still wanted to hear what I had to say. And that's a blessing. But beyond that, I got to spend the last five months with my grandmother who helped raise me life because she was dying of congestive heart failure. So I, I left LA where I was living and packed my bags with time left on a lease and drove across the country because my dog died on the flight. So I had to, I had to drive and, uh, I drove across the country, got to my grandmother's house, and, and spent five months with her that, that I can never get back. And if I was on the road 300 days in a year, I just, I mean, everything happens for a reason, and you just got to believe it. I've always been one who's manifested my reality and, and just kind of uh, had blind faith in, in the things that I believe in. And, and I do believe in prayer. And if you really look at like what hip hop is, if a guy's sitting there writing his music, and then he's saying it out loud, and then he believes it, and confidence is contagious, and he's standing in an arena in front of 100,000 people, and, 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 and they're saying it all back to him. You're here to tell me he's living a lie? I mean, great. You know, that, that lie is, is creating him and generating income, and he's manifesting his own reality. So, And when I look at my run in the WWE by going out there and believing in myself and Cash believing in himself and, and, and the fans believing in us, and, and, and my name is Angel Amore, and I am a certified G. You know, if you're saying it back to me, you can't tell me nothing, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I just I, I continue to press on with a positive attitude. I try to bring that back into Big Cass's life as best I can with great people who keep that positive attitude as well, like Doug Lawson. Uh, I'm over here at the State of Fitness Boxing Club in my office. I have an office here. Uh, you know, I don't want to rent that out to fans that want to pop up and you know uh talk smack but you know i don't find that here i find nothing but love and people come around to the boxing gym that i train at uh i just came i just got done with rolling uh with mickey gall uh you know ufc fighter who who uh just lost to diego sanchez but uh, yeah but that's also the dude that knocked out cm punk in his first in his first ufc fight so he's forever over with me yeah yeah man (laughs) mickey's the man he's a humble dude he had kidney failure in his 
organs failed him in that fight with Diego Sanchez. He redeemed himself in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center on the last card the UFC had. He won. You know, he's, he's, he's a Jersey boy. You know, I got nothing but love for the athletes that come out of Jersey, like Jabril Peppers playing for the New York Giants. How you doing? We got to get to it now. Ah, uh, right? you did it, man. You started I brought me us up. into our segue, dude. I'm good at that. <laughs> you started I'm good it at up. That, bro. I'm not talking about wrestling. <laughs> you're a Jersey boy. You're a Giants fan. But, but really, hey, listen, hey, Eli, listen, still? When Sinatra, when Sinatra was thinking New York, New York, he wasn't in New York. He was looking at it. The same place <laughs> where the New York Giants played football, okay? And let's show a little respect to the younger brother of the Jets. I enjoy a tailgate in, in, in you know, green just as almost as much as I do in blue, all right? Because out there on Sundays, we're the only place on the planet that, you know, has has a football game every Sunday. It's a beautiful thing. All right, so let me ask you. So come draft time, the New York Giants were heavily criticized all over the place by taking Daniel Jones at six. What were your thoughts on the pick? And really, how much longer does Eli have? Well, you know that Eli Manning made that pick, don't you? With, I mean that's uh, that's how the story goes. That was I mean, that his cho- his chosen about. successor. He chose his successor. That's what we know. That's the respect that a guy like Manning gets in a city like New York. Okay, you you hear about Eli? Everybody wants to pull his card here and there. People want to give him a hard time. The Max Kellermans of the world can suck one. Okay, <laughs> what I what I know is that Eli Manning has one more Super Bowl ring than the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> As a division rival, uh, you have respect, obviously, for the other teams in the division. So, you gave us your you gave us your synopsis on Eli Manning. Rank Carson Wentz for us. What do you see in Carson Wentz? Where does he rank among the quarterbacks in the league today? Well, if I don't get copyrighted for this, I'm going to go ahead and say he's SAWFT. I don't want to say he's soft, but he's he's. He's unlucky. He, he's that's all. Unlucky. Yes, I was going to say. I wouldn't say that's the word. I wouldn't say. Uh, I guess you he's could. Got feeble legs and brittle bones. Eli was lucky to win two. Carson's unlucky to get in. Eli Manning. Hey, if we want to go at another fucking guy here, I'll go. I'll go at somebody's neck right now. Ben McAdoo. If I ever see you out on these streets, <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in your mouth and take the charge because somebody's gonna pick it up and videotape it for me, and I'm gonna go viral. <laughs> Ben McAdoo is literally the only man on the planet who I would fist fight in public. I would, I listen, I do not condone violence in the street. Kids, if you want to be a tough guy, there's places to go be a tough guy, okay? The streets ain't one of them. You know what I mean? If you got to defend yourself, okay. It's good to know how to defend yourself, but that's not the point. Ben McAdoo, I would punch you in your freaking mouth if I saw you. This guy had the nerve to sit Eli Manning in the midst of try to break Brett Favre's streak for the most starts in the history of the NFL. And and and, and, he, and he sits them for Geno Smith. <laughs> for Geno Smith. We had a good I la- couldn't even believe it. We, I couldn't even believe it, bro. We, we, we had a good laugh it. at that down here in Philadelphia, you know. I mean, you want to talk about disrespect. Holy shit, dude. That guy... That guy is a piece of crap. He wanted to be fired, and that's how he did it. All right, enough football talk. Let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. Last question, Enzo. Look, you're 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 an entertainer. Clearly, uh, I I think you'd agree with me that you've never had the greatest match. You know, Dave Meltzer will. will he's never given you five or ten stars or whatever his ranking trash you gotta system is. Boy. Yeah, but you guys gotta understand this. All right, we have to say this. All right, I have to say this. I have to defend myself here. I have had thousands, definitely over a thousand wrestling matches, okay? You guys only saw the wrestling matches on TV and segmented television with commercial breaks unless it was a tag team pay-per-view match. That's the only wrestling you ever saw out of me. Am I correct? No, that's fair. Oh, it's beyond fair. I've had a thousand matches. In NXT, with guys like Scott Dawson and, and Dash Wilder and Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake and, you know, tons of funk and in and, 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 and armories and small arenas on live events with Chad Gable and Jason Jordan and blew the roof off the place working tag team wrestling strategic like, you know, Hollywood Express, you know, working for that hot tag and, 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 and the masterfulness of, of making a building blow when you tag the, the, the – the tag, the hot tag has been lost. 
I mean, you see guys who are in the ring taking heat and they're hitting guys and they're losing steam because they're fighting back. When if you keep Big Cass on the apron for mm-hmm. the entire match and I take the heat and do the little bit of the shine mm-hmm. and he throws me out of the ring and we never see Cass get in the ring until the hot tag, I promise you the building will Place blow. comes unglued. Absolutely. Okay. So now there's a recipe to that, and that's psychology. Now, people want to talk about wrestling. I You can hit the tope and do the move. I've seen fat guys do topes out of the middle <laughs> rope and land on their feet, all right? I can do it no problem. I, I'm not joking. I just chose to do a dance where I took my one foot forward and shuffled my body back and forth. And I got a great reaction out of it and didn't have to do anything. And that's exactly my point. Uh, the industry was now, built. It's just it's it's built on entertainment and storytelling. Absolutely. Now, however you tell your story is the reason why I reference Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. These people, I think Cody's the best storyteller in wrestling just with these few matches I've seen recently because – you can roll out of the ring in AEW, take as much time as you want, come back in the ring, lock up. Roll out of the ring, come back in the ring, lock up. Take a drop kick and sell it and make something out of it and not be scripted and do up, you know, duck to, up and over, flippity-doo, you know, razzle-dazzle off the top rope, bro. I'm, I, you know, you lose me there. I, I, you can ooh and ah a crowd, but that means that you're working for pops, okay? It's like chopping somebody in the chest and hearing, boom. You're going to hear everybody woo because Ric Flair got it over, brother. If you hear Enzo do something, you're going to hear how you do it. Correct. And, and All right. That's the way that I always chose to work, and I learned it from watching John Cena. And John Cena was shitted on by Dave Meltzer until he worked a guy like Kevin Owens in Kevin Owens' style. Okay? John Cena can work that style anytime he wanted. Yeah, no, literally any anytime you wanted. John— you know, it's funny you say when that. When you learn in the WWE Performance Center from the likes of the greatest minds in the history of the business and get in the ring for three hours, tagging in and out, rolling around with Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, guys are D1 wrestlers and Olympians, and you got guys who have worked forever like, you know, Eugene, you know, Nick Dinsmore, mm-hmm. and they're teaching you how to, how to work. There's just different flavors, and you're learning all of them. Terry Taylor, Matt Bloom, and, and Scott. Scotty Tuhati, and it was Scotty Tuhati who said to me, you know, I worked in the WWE, and I used to do jobs, and I used to do, um, you know, spots on live events, and they would bring me in, but I was never booked on TV, never got over, and anytime I was on TV, was to do a job, but I was booked every week for like a few years, and he told me that he was doing flips and killing his body, and then when he put that fucking hat on, threw that mustache out, that hair out, dyed it blonde, started doing the worm, he made more money in one quarter than he did in two years. So then let me ask you, why do you think... So I made a conscientious decision to do what I did on camera. What I could do, if I ever so chose to, you know, I think would blow a lot of minds. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I I just, it's a style, and I think there's a uniqueness to Enzo Amore, as I was once told by my coach Terry Taylor, is that you know, you look around the performance center, we got a hundred guys. You put Enzo behind a silhouette, you know, just a, a, a curtain, and you have him move around, I know exactly who it is. And and that's and that's absolutely correct. Why do you think the business has gotten away from entertaining characters and focused more on the actual wrestling when since the Hulkamania days at least, it was the exact opposite? Well, I don't consider it the actual wrestling. I mean, I it's not the style I consider actual wrestling. I mean, if you watch WWE, it's a very scripted product. I was a part of it, and it's brilliant because it's a soap opera. And that's why they call it sports entertainment. Now, if we're talking about wrestling, which is different than the product Vince puts on screen, I do believe it to be more storytelling. And a guy could be in a heel locker room, and a guy could be in a babyface locker room. And if you're any good, you can go out there, lock up, and get people to go nuts and come to a finish that that is is either a better pop than the, the entrance or, you know, the second best pop of the match. Because in wrestling, the biggest pop should be when you come through the curtain and when the match ends. And when you're out there in the ring and you're working for pops, like stepping on thumbtacks to make people go nuts or going through a table, that's, the, that's, that's where you lose the artistry of 
directly in storytelling, Larry Zbysko and Bruno San Martino. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 